This is the John Favreau's My Daddy podcast with Jessica Garcia and Monica Montoya. Good morning to you and hey. your eyelids. Hey, everybody. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm just rubbing Aquaphor into my eyelids because I fucking sunburn them. If you want to know how to like how like like sunburned eyelids feel, it feels like the skin on your eyeballs yeah. doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> That's hard to imagine. <laughs> it just feels like your eye. Well, then in a way, you would just be rubbing Aquaphor right into your eyeballs. I wish I could do that. Oh, gross. <laughs> I feel because like, I have like chronic dry eye. Mm, I have a watery eye at the moment. We're having a lot of eye <laughs> action today. <laughs> a lot of like ocular issues. Yeah just issues in general it's fine it's it's what is this a monday evening it's a monday evening it's 8 20 p.m in pasadena california yeah my bedtime is 10 30 well i hope this isn't a two hour and 10 minute episode can you imagine you guys don't <laughs> we just hear had that. so much to say you guys don't want to hear that they might we never know i don't even want to watch a two-hour movie that's true <laughs> tight 90 minutes i want petition to make all movies a tight 90 minutes and yet we have some episodes that are long. <laughs> I, know, I know i know it's because what we have to say is more important than the length of a film incredible mm-hmm. uh who are we talking about today? You know, we're talking about someone that you have wanted to talk about for a really long Honestly, time. Honestly, okay, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna level with you guys. I'm just I'm just gonna sit back and level with you. This episode's only happening because I really want to talk about knives out. <laughs> <laughs> but like, as you should. The thing is, though, is I'm so I was delighted watching these movies oh, because yeah, they're great. Knives Out is the only Ryan Johnson ep- uh, episode movie I've ever seen. <laughs> See, here we go again. The episodes are more important than the movie. Uh, Knives Out was the only Ryan Johnson movie I had ever seen. So spoiler alert, this uh, episode is about Ryan Johnson. Ryan (laughs) Johnson. So it forced me to watch two other Ryan Johnson movies. And I was like, I was fucking loving it. I having a great time. Okay, here we go. That's what's up. Yeah. Let's talk about Daddy Ryan. Tell me all about him and his short stature. (laughs) Oh, I will. (laughs) Daddy Ryan Johnson is an American film director, producer, and screenwriter, and a butcherer of the current Star Wars trilogy. told you to read it. <laughs> I mean, you did tell me to read it, but I have no opinion on that. <laughs> uh, I know. It's just like my husband is just, he fucking hates. He's sitting here, <laughs> mouth agape. <laughs> yeah, he just hates Ryan Aaron, how Jones do you feel about Star this Wars. opinion? I love that movie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> However, when Monica said, let's do Ryan Johnson, I said, okay, but I'm not doing Star Wars. <laughs> Here's some money. Go buy a Star Wars. <laughs> Uh, that's a lie. I honestly have no opinion on Ryan Johnson's Star Wars. <laughs> I just wanted to rile is it, you is up. Is it widely regarded as good? It's half and half. Half and half. Half and half. Ooh. Half and, half. and I don't know if I believe that it's good because Aaron, you and I often have conflicting opinions on these movies where it goes half and half. That's true. Aaron that's tends true. to be really nice and he's like, no, it was good. And no, I'm like, you're bad. a liar. It was bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I really just put that in to rile you up and, and make sure that you were listening. I hope you're good and ruffled, because uh, the re- reality is neither of us have any opinions on, on the Star Wars films, <laughs> other than we've seen them. Truly. Uh, so, yeah. Um, anyway, Ryan attended the University of Southern California and graduated from the USC School of Cinematic Arts in 1996. Fight, Fight on, on, baby. 
He is a modern science fiction icon, a lover of the classic murder mystery with a twist of lime, and the actual messiah of short men with high self-esteem. Most importantly, he is married to a podcaster. What? Yes, folks, that means that even we have a chance at bagging a Hollywood film director. He is married to Karina Longworth, who is the host, creator, and producer of You Must Remember This, about the secret and or forgotten stories of Hollywood's first century. He is 47, has no kids, and is living the life that we all secretly want. <laughs> all right. Is he? I mean, I'm sure he has a lot of money. He has so much money, Jessica. <laughs> He has so you know that song that uh that song that like recently came out i don't know how recent that is but it's like that's my bestie with a tessie that's him I don't to know. his wife i don't know anything about the kids and their music <laughs> <laughs> that's him to his wife and then his wife back to him oh okay is this a song that's popular on tiktok i have no idea because okay. i'm not i'm a, i'm actually spoiler alert i'm actually not on tiktok wow so we're so old are you on tiktok i have a tiktok but it's like i don't even have a username it's still like user id 5425 (laughs) like random numbers that they just assigned to you when you first make an account i don't know we keep we keep coming we keep like talking about yeah we keep talking about like if we'll do one it's just it's honestly it's just time it's time we would have to dedicate time to making it's not even about time it's about the fact the sheer fact that i have no idea how to operate tiktok listen i'm still learning how to make reels on instagram which is apparently very (laughs) that's like old news it is (laughs) yeah what like people are making tiktoks and then posting them to instagram or just not posting to instagram at all and everything is moving to tiktok it's wild out there should we be on tiktok (laughs) i don't know this is the question that keeps coming up well you and i both have jobs and then we after the jobs we have to watch the films for this is ryan johnson on tiktok oh god is he leaving is he leaving the leaving the life we secretly want (laughs) (laughs) or rather just the life we should be living i don't Mm. know all i know is that ryan johnson's got it together he do he do okay so the first ryan johnson film that we are going to do now monica thinks we should have done brick and i disagree (laughs) but but again i've never seen brick so i just want the record to reflect that i feel like we should have done brick why what's your reasoning because that was his first move well his first big movie yeah but we didn't want to do it i know When have we ever? I mean, there have it's been also, there have been times when we've done things because we had to, but like, oh, yeah, I don't think it, we it's had also to do like Rick. a really good movie. But I also really love the Brothers Bloom. Okay. Like, well, I, I I really love them. As did I. So Amen. this is the Brothers Bloom came out in two thousand nine, directed by Ryan Johnson, screenplay by Ryan Johnson. Thank you, Jessica. <laughs> 25 years of swindling people is too much for Bloom, played by Adrian Brody, and he wants out of the business. His brother, Stephen, played by Mark Ruffalo, convinces him to work on one final hustle targeting an eccentric East Coast heiress named Penelope, played by Rachel Weisz, who's <laughs> amazing. Just, we'll talk about it. <laughs> the con game fails to play out as planned when Bloom falls in love with the irresistible woman. Oh, my God. First. Oh, my God. The casting. Let's talk about this fucking casting. <gasps> oh, the cast. For, an A-list cast, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally A-list. Uh, helmed by a, an incredibly interesting director that mm-hmm. took a lot of insane like filmmaking quirks Yeah, in specifically this film. It feels like a cross between Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. Like if he, but if he did like, like if he smoked pot yeah. and then like walked over to like, the the crime lab and was like hey guys 
Like I, I, I want the mystery of like your the, the mystery and like the con. <laughs> I wanna, I wanna inject it into my body. It's like if Wes Anderson made an Ocean's movie. Yeah, I've yeah. never seen an Ocean's movie, but oh. I know we've talked about this. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but like, there's automatically so much like whimsy. There's so there's in this so, film. Yeah, there's so much whimsy. And what I actually really like about this film is he steps out of his comfort zone a little Mm -hmm. bit and he introduces all of these like quirks Mm -hmm. and then still allows the actors to shine like still allows the actors to tell the story still allows the actors to drive the story and move it forward yeah and doesn't rely very heavily on these quirks they're just there they're there i I know why they're there they're there because they're cool yeah because they're whimsical (laughs) because they're just funny and whimsical (laughs) but they're not necessarily there to serve any real purpose correct other than give the give the film itself like a tone and a vibe yeah yeah, he does something similar to Wes Anderson with like this n- narration at the beginning. And Ricky Jay is the narrator, which I love because if it's you know incredible. who Ricky Jay is, he's like a super famous like magic sleight of hand card guy who's just had like lots of weird film cameos. Bizarre. Like he was in uh, Boogie Nights, which is really weird. Bizarre. But yeah, so here's the, he's the narrator and it's really amazing. And he sets up, like it's one of those movies where it's like, this is how these two brothers got started and these are their quirks and this is how old they are and this is like their intention. Blah, and blah, the blah, cave blah. and the girl. Exactly. And the like feelings. everyone has their own like detailed introduction. But like, as you said, you're still like invested even though you know all of this. And in a way it almost like makes you more invested because yeah. you're like, these people are fucking weird. I need to know like what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I will say that this movie is rooted in a lot of like, I love that this movie is rooted in a lot of emotion. Like it's Mm -hmm. rooted in just the fact that like these brothers only have each other. And (laughs) a big, a big part of this movie is like codependency, right? It's like the brothers cannot function Mm -hmm. without each other. Even Bloom, when he like goes to, it's Monaco that he goes to. And I think it's Montenegro. Montenegro. I'm sorry. I'm reading a book right now. That's that, like it maybe it might be in Monaco. I think it is in Monaco. Where is Montenegro? Where is Montenegro? No, it's fully its own country. <laughs> it's a country. Yeah. Wow. It's insane. I've just okay. We don't know our geography. I mean, how many of you knew that Montenegro? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. He like Bloom jets off to Montenegro every single time. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> and Steven's like, okay. And then three months later. And then three months later, he comes back because he knows that Bloom is like, he cannot function mm-hmm. without his brother. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of it. It's not just the, it's not just what the movie sort of like puts in your hand, which is the fact that like Bloom feels like Steven has written his life for him. Yes. It's not just that. It's like, he literally cannot fucking function function without him yeah it's not even it's it's that he's not even capable of having his own life which obviously is codependency correct and so i just feel like this movie this movie paints like a really specific picture of like Mm -hmm. these two codependent brothers that happen to be incredibly skilled at these insane cons that are able to present themselves as being one or another thing yeah and then to each other 
are like their truest selves. But even that is so confusing because mm-hmm. they've, they've been so many different fucking people that it's hard to like look in the mirror and like know exactly who you're looking at. Correct. It's insane. Yeah. Like they can't even rely on their like quote unquote identities because their life, as you said, has been so based in these cons that they're essentially still conning themselves. Exactly. <laughs> no matter what, like nothing is real and yet everything is real because it's reality. And it really makes you think about like <laughs> authenticity and what is actually real in your life because in a way, like we're all constructing our own narratives. It's true. It's 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 a little bit of a mind fuck when you really think about it, which is why I like this movie so much because I'm not big into like con or like hustle movies. I think oh. they're kind of boring i love those (laughs) (laughs) i'm not big into like now this is the plan and (laughs) like i just i don't really give a shit but this has like it has layers and it has a lot of depth and then it also has like a lot of emotional depth later on also a lot of explosions also a lot of explosions and just like a really funny like ragtag group of (laughs) group of insane con men yeah like so it's so fun like first of all bang bang yeah who's an incredible character in this film by yes. the way even though she doesn't have very many lines yeah would we, would we is, is bang bang a racist character i don't know i think i fully think that bang bang is a racist okay character. okay i, I just think, wanted to make sure we were on the same page first of all the sheer fact that they had to like we could really go into this, but like, first of all, I don't understand why you would put such a brilliant character on the sidelines. <laughs> like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I mean, I like that. I like that the character didn't speak. I think that that was funny. That the only thing the character did was ever explode things or like give funny expressions. Like that was funny, but I don't think it needed to be an Asian woman named yeah. Bang Bang. Yes. <laughs> I just feel like I don't understand why would you put the only the only person of color in the cast? Why would you make them say zero lines and call them bang bang? Because because of racism. Because racism. (laughs) Ryan Johnson. Racism racism is alive and well. Um, So it's just one of those things where. I love this character and I mm-hmm. resonate with this character so much because she she has one thing that she really fucking loves to do and she's really fucking good at and no one can tell her like no one can tell her fucking shit cuz she is just like going out and about exploding the shit that she wants to mm-hmm. explode. She has the fucking tattoo on the back of her neck which by the way also racist. <laughs> but she has a tattoo on the back of her neck that's like i like like life is like full of explosions or whatever the fuck it says it says something like philosophical about how like you know you do shit and then it explodes or whatever and so i just love that her entire identity is rooted in like um things not like the impermanence of of shit yes and like her entire identity is rooted in like i can do this one thing and i can do this one thing really well Mm -hmm. and like i'm with you two bozos because you doing this allows me to like get paid doing what I like to do. Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of it. Like she has no stake in the game other than I love what I do. No, but I do think she has fun with them. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I think it's a lot of fun, but I just don't, I don't know that it's like, it's, it's not the same as like we're brothers and we're common. No, men. no it's more so not. like I'm with these two because I can do what I want to do. And they're funny. Well, and then when, when Penelope, Rachel Vice's character asks like <laughs> how, like where bang bang came from. They're like, we don't know. She just showed up. One day. Yeah. 
Yeah. Which is hilarious. And I guess she'll go away eventually. <laughs> Which obviously she does, but it's she just does. like uh, Penelope's character, like circling back to like the other female characters. So there's one female character in this film that is like, that says nothing. Mm-hmm. And then there's this other female character who, who says, says fucking everything. everything <laughs> who Penelope can like unicycle and like juggle chainsaws. Mm-hmm. And she can... <laughs> Which is hilarious. It's like a fucking Dr. Seuss. Like, <laughs> like some of the visuals they have with her is like out of a fucking Dr. It's Seuss really book. really funny. And she's like on the unicycle and she's like juggling two. And she's like, okay, now throw the third. And it's not just a normal chainsaw. unicycle. It's like 30 feet tall. I know. And it's just bizarre. But anyway, so she has all of these all of these skills, right? She mm-hmm. has an, an incredible amount of, I would say, soft skills soft skills yeah yeah she has all these incredible soft skills and she but and she doesn't necessarily know what to do with them other than like do them once like Mm -hmm. as a party trick and then like call it a day yeah because her identity is rooted in everything yeah because she's she was never allowed to go out as a child because they thought she was allergic to everything and then it ended up that she was allergic to the to the uh uh, aluminum alloy in the needles that the allergists like pierced on her back (laughs) Which oh, what a just shame. Like, it's just so sad. <laughs> um, but Rachel Weiss does this incredible thing where she like looks within herself and at the same time looks outside of herself. So she looks fucking crazy mm-hmm. half the time. Like she looks like she's pondering about something really insane. Yeah. Or she she just looks crazy in this fucking movie. And what I love about her casting is like at the time that this movie came out, she didn't do really any comedy. No. And this is a very comedic role. Yes. Yes. It's like, it's one of those black comedy films where like, it's very comedic on the surface, but like has a lot of like deep emotional roots, which we've talked about it before where like that it almost proves that you're better at comedy when mm-hmm. you can do both within the same role because you're like pushing yourself to those edges. And it's just really impressive, like watching her like combust in a way yeah, and like lose her fucking mind. Like some of the shit she says is so bizarre. Like I'm thinking specifically of that speech that she gives Bloom on the train where she talks about how <laughs> she's like, you're constipated yeah. in your fucking soul. <laughs> like oh, who says that? The delivery is so good. But I mean like good on Ryan Johnson for like, you know, casting someone as incredible as Rachel Weiss who can deliver, yeah. deliver an incredible dramatic performance and like turn her on her head and say, mm-hmm. no, no, we want you on a unicycle and we want you to tell. Yes. We want you to tell all these people that this fool is constipated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's what we want you to do. And like hold her own against these two men who are, are incredibly famous at the time. I mean, that's not to say that Rachel Weiss wasn't famous, but like, you know what I mean? There are these two brothers who are like larger than life who have these big, huge con schemes that f- seem like that are so fantastical. And yet she's like really holding her own as this character who for all intents and purposes is supposed to like really not know what the fuck is going on. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And I, the whole point was she was a mark for them. Mm -hmm. And then she ended up being so much more because she ended up, and this is where my mind gets really fucked because I I can't follow this kind of a plot Uh (laughs) (laughs) where I'm just like, the whole thing was a con. Yeah. But a con within a con. Yeah. (laughs) And a donut hole within a donut's (laughs) hole. And when you know that Stephen Bloom doesn't make any mistakes and never makes any accidental decisions, then you start going like, did he plan this on purpose? Exactly. Which 
the filmmaking tells you that he did. Yeah. And so you're just sitting there like, this was a really shitty thing to do. <laughs> well, and then you as the audience, there's a whole other layer because you're like, I'm being conned. Exactly. Because I don't know if what I'm watching is a con or if it's real or if there's no difference between what's real and what is a con. Exactly. Because so is, the con is actually happening. And so this is where my mind gets fucked because <laughs> Rachel Weisz's character Penelope was never the, the subject of the con. Yeah. The subject of the con were both of the brothers Bloom. Yeah. But Bloom wasn't in on the con. No. But Stephen was the con. Yeah. <laughs> so in the end, yeah. the blood isn't real. No, the blood is real. The blood is real. Because it browns on the edge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really fucked up. But I think I think the easiest way to look at it is just to remember that overall, Stephen's sole purpose has always been to do the perfect con. And he says at the beginning that the only time he'll ever be able to successfully con Bloom is the day that he dies. Yes, correct. So you know that if this goes successfully and if Rachel Weiss ends up with Bloom, that Stephen has to die, essentially. Yes, essentially. And that does happen. And it's very, very, very sad. Yeah. But you know that like Stephen in a way has accomplished his greatest life's mission because all he's ever wanted to do was write his brother the perfect story and give him like the perfect con. Right. And this is like his, it's like his weird gift to him. It's very strange. It's very odd. And I will be honest, the more we talk about it, the more confused I get. <laughs> so I think we should just fucking stop. Go watch the, go watch the fucking movie. Okay. It's, it's really good. It's really good. Everyone gives such good performances. Mark Ruffalo fucking like. Mark Ruffalo slaps in this slaps. movie. Slaps. Apparently he was supposed to play Bloom initially. Which is ridiculous because he's a Steven. Ridiculous. He's a I Steven. love seeing Mark Ruffalo in a role where he's like sassy. And where he's sassy and like a know-it-all. And <laughs> yeah. like all this. Like oh my God. Cocky. The chemistry between Mark Ruffalo and the woman who plays Bang Bang, Rinko Kikuchi. I feel like their chemistry is like off the charts. And I'm thinking about specifically the scene where they're both sitting under the umbrella with the, with like their drinks <laughs> and their binoculars as they're like watching bloom, like <laughs> essentially like bike himself down the hill so that he could get like Rachel Weiss could, notice Rachel Weiss could notice him by hitting him with her car. Ah. And then she has a fucking, she has a fucking seizure. <laughs> This is a seizure. And you, you as the audience member, like, you don't know what's happening because you just see the car, like, skirting forward and then stopping and then skirting forward and then stopping. And you could see Bloom being visibly upset that she's, like, not stopping <laughs> That's for him. like a hit and run. Because he's like, is this it? He's, like, just sitting there, like, what the fuck? Is this a hit and run? And then we cut to the fucking hospital and everyone's there. And for whatever reason, Steven and Bang Bang are dressed like doctors. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just so fucking funny and disorienting <laughs> they come out of no out of nowhere with that shit like throughout the entire throughout film the and it's so movie. fucking funny it's so funny it's just like it's not necessary but it's just another layer that ryan johnson's just like this will be fucking hilarious <laughs> i i can just imagine them all sort of being there like you know it would be funny yeah it'd be funny if we showed up to the hospital dressed as doctors <laughs> wouldn't that be funny <laughs> Or like the, when they're on the boat and Bang Bang's peeling the apple yes. and then she finally gets done peeling it after they're having this long, intense conversation about stealing this fucking book. Yes. And then she throws the apple away and just starts <laughs> eating the peel. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, this is so fucking 
fucking stupid. It, that's some like Monty Python bullshit. Yes. Like it's really fucking funny. Especially because like Ryan Johnson knows that not everyone is going to be watching her. Exactly. Like, they're going to be watching the people who are speaking. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he you always can, gives you something to look at. There are like, exactly. It with, and, and, in specifically the brothers boom there are so many little pockets of joy Mm -hmm. where you can like look at any part of the screen and notice something fucking hilarious yeah and i love that i love that ryan johnson brought brought that sort of like magic that like you know sleight of hand or whatever the fuck you call it (laughs) you magicians (laughs) you know he's like he's putting little little bags of tricks here and there and like letting you as the audience member like explore it and i'm sure like the more you watch a movie like this the more little things you'll find at every corner of the screen and it's very totally. exciting yeah big i fan. agree big fan great movie you guys gotta watch it go watch it <laughs> so that brings us to the second film monica this one is a more widely regarded film this movie was fucking nuts this movie was crazy <laughs> you thought brothers bloom made your mind do backflips nah dog nah dog <laughs> and this movie is fucking looper uh. <laughs> Looper came out in 2012, the year of our Lord, written and directed by Ryan Johnson. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. In a future society, time travel exists, but it's only available to those with the means to pay for it on the black market. When the mob wants to eliminate someone, it sends the target into the past where a hitman known as a Looper lies in wait to finish the job. Joe, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, is one such hired gun, and he does his job well until the day his bosses decide to close the loop and send Joe's future self, played by fucking Bruce Willis, (laughs) back in time to be killed. If that made you confused, it's because it is fucking confusing. Because it's really confusing. Um, First of all, Looper is an incredibly beautiful film. Yeah. It is shot like a motherfucker mm-hmm. it is so gorgeous yeah the fucking colors in this movie are fucking dreamy yes. like the cityscapes are fucking gorgeous the goddamn the goddamn cornfields in there, like kansas or wherever the fuck they are, are fucking there are gorgeous. lots of like little like artsy shots in this yeah. like in the first few minutes when he goes to that diner and you see like the milk and the coffee yeah. and you're just like you're just this like is some usc film school bullshit like, that ryan, ryan johnson just Fight on, girl. Fight on, Ryan, baby. Damn, girl. (laughs) And you're just sitting there like, oof. This, what I love about this movie is it gave me, it gave me indie film vibes on like a big ass budget. On a big ass budget when it's like a weird like sci-fi action something yeah film yeah yeah it was a budget with a big ass b mm-hmm. but it felt very indie and it felt yes. very like it was very rooted in this like this weird relationship between joseph gordon levitt and bruce willis aka themselves like, <laughs> yeah and also so joseph gordon levitt is wearing a lot of prosthetics to so make him look much like makeup. bruce willis yeah i heard that he spent three hours in the makeup chair every single day holy shit the prosthetics are amazing they're really good he really does look like he could be young bruce willis he does look like he could be young bruce willis he also he got his cadence very right yes like the way that he speaks and sort mm-hmm. of like the tonality and like the rhythm yes. of bruce willis is like classic talking mm-hmm. not that he has this new york accent sounds like that's not what he sounds like <laughs> but he got it really right and yeah. i i heard that he spent you know those three hours in in the makeup chair he would just listen to like voice memos of bruce willis talking <laughs> wow the dream which is just like okay that's your job <laughs> sure 
Um, I think the thing that impressed me most about this movie initially was like, it really made me realize that Ryan Johnson is a really good world builder and he doesn't make like fantasy worlds though. I mean, I guess you could say he did in star Wars, but he didn't create that. He didn't make star Wars. Okay. (laughs) Leave him alone. (laughs) But like, these are all worlds rooted in reality. They're just like heavily stylized. And like, in this case, it, in a different time period because it takes place in the future. Yeah. It takes place at two different points in the future. Okay. It takes place in the present, in the future, and then in the distant future. Yeah. So it's like 2034 or some, or 2074 or some and shit. When I say the present, I mean the present in the movie, but the future from now. Yeah. So Joseph Gordon-Levitt is technically the present. Yes. And it's like 20, 30, 40 something yeah (laughs) i don't know and then bruce willis is the future from that yeah the distant future from that future that is the present yeah like and then they go back in time to that present yeah the one where the rainmaker is a child yes 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 which is joseph gordon levitt's present he's in the present he's only ever in the present he's only ever in the present and because eventually becomes the future oh my god (laughs) I'm sorry. Can you tell that we can't follow this like all this like okay. back to the future bullshit? Maybe we need to lay out like what, what happened okay, in tell order to it. talk about it. Tell so like, it. so Joseph Gordon-Levitt, when you close the loop, it means that your future self has been sent back in time to you so that you can kill your future self so that you will ultimately die and stop looping in time. Right. Yes. And eventually, eventually. Die. Because you just killed yourself, but you didn't kill your present self. So you'll keep going until you die eventually in the future. And then your loop is closed. Yeah. You have to die at the hands of you. Yes. And that's like the date that you die. Correct. So you, you always know when you're going to die, which is kind of the morbid part of it all. Yeah, exactly. But what they notice is that there's a lot of loop closing happening like Lately. back to back yeah. amongst the loopers. Yeah. And Paul Dano <laughs> plays Joseph Ford Lovett's best friend. Yeah. And he's also a looper. I fucking love Paul Dano. He's so good. He's only in this for about five minutes, Maybe but he's five. really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he, like his future self comes back and he goes to close the loop, but then he realizes it's himself and he's like, I can't do it. And so his looper starts running from him. His future self starts running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it gets really fucked up. And I guess that guy tells Paul Dano, he's like, there's this guy in the future called the Rainmaker mm-hmm. who hates loopers and who's getting rid of all of them. Yeah. So then when Joseph Gordon-Levitt's future self comes back, Bruce Willis, when he comes back, he starts running and they're like, we got to fucking kill the Rainmaker mm-hmm. because the Rainmaker also in the future kills Bruce Willis's wife. Yes, but not Bruce Willis. <laughs> no. <laughs> and because Joseph Gordon-Levitt is trying to kill Bruce Willis, who yeah. is himself. But in he's trying to kill himself. But Bruce Willis wants to get away from Joseph Gordon-Levitt so that he can kill the Rainmaker who in Joseph Gordon-Levitt's present is a child so obviously killing a child is wrong Wrong. killing anyone is wrong but especially killing a child especially killing a child so there are like scenes where bruce willis has gone back in time to kill a child yeah and it's not the rainmaker obviously but he like he kills a child and then he like starts sobbing because like you know that's a that's a truly heinous act you're Uh you're robbing innocents right correct and so a lot of this film is sort of just like bruce willis sort of feeling what Joseph Gordon-Levitt is feeling and vice versa because the things that happen to Joseph Gordon-Levitt will eventually happen to Bruce Willis. Yeah. Such as this thing, this sort of like um, scarring that keeps popping up throughout the film where like one person like 
cuts themselves in uh-huh. order to spell out a word or like a city or a phrase or something on their yeah, arm. Like directions or yeah. something. Yeah. And it's obviously in the future, it shows up on that person's arm. Who is you? I say that yeah. person, but it's you. Yeah. Um, it shows up on your arm and as a scar. And so it's almost like a way to communicate with like the future you. Yeah. By like, <laughs> like hurting your present yeah, self. Exactly. Um, and so like, there are all these weird connections between you and the future you, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, is very obvious because it's, it's just you, but in the yeah, future, exactly. but as an audience, like as a person watching this film, mm-hmm. it's really hard for you to con- like conceptualize the fact that like Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce Willis are the same person yes because they're so different and i feel like that says a lot Mm -hmm. about like the human experience yes and like who you are now is not even fucking a little bit who you're gonna be in like 20 years that's why i thought that this movie was so brilliant Mm -hmm. beyond the fact that it has this like insanely intricate plot that like i do even though it's complicated like you you are at least i was able to follow it quite well during the movie because Joseph Gordon-Levitt is asking Bruce Willis questions. He's like, so this is how this works. And it's kind of Ryan Johnson's way of being like, let's pause. Let me explain to you. Like, let's get some rules of this this world. Yeah. Which is really helpful. Yeah. But ultimately, like, it is a story about, like, the human experience and about, like, aging and about regret a lot of regret in this and about like destiny Mm -hmm. and how much control you actually have over fate if is fate actually real like is that is it this unchangeable force like do we have agency things like that because you know and i think the ending of this movie tells you like kind of yes and kind of no yeah yeah it's 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 really interesting yeah it's very very interesting and a really it's a really cool look at like if you could go back, would you and why? Yeah. Right. It's it's a very interesting look of like Bruce Willis could not just accept the fact that his wife had died. Yeah. Because it exists. Mm-hmm. Time travel exists. Because it it's exists. There. Yeah. Like he can go back and change like and and he can go back and change his if you had the chance to change your fate. Would, would you? you? It's like he can, he he would ya. Like I'll be shooting for me own hand, <laughs> Merida, and that's sort of he he is the Merida of his story. He re- he really is exactly like Merida. And so, like if you if you've seen the uh, Disney animated film Brave, you'll know you know exactly what Looper is about. Exactly. <laughs> okay, no, we're. We're That's a lie. <laughs> anyway, the whole this whole notion of like the technology exists, mm-hmm. but should you do it? Well, and then beyond that, if if fate is a thing, if destiny is real and unchangeable, is you using it to potentially change your future not just a part of your actual destiny? Yes, and then because in this ending, it it is, and then on top of that. It sucks because if Bruce Willis had just left shit alone, Uh he would have had that time with his wife. But then Joseph Gordon-Levitt in killing himself made sure that he never met his wife. Yeah. 
So it's like, was it better to have loved and lost well, than to never would have loved at all? Would he have? He wouldn't have because he would have died. He would have gone back and closed the loop and he wouldn't have had his time with his wife. Exactly. That's so what I'm saying. In the end, she was just meant to die. Exactly. End of story. End of story. Like, that's just how it happened. And so in a way, like, that part was an unchangeable fate. But then Joseph Gordon-Levitt comes in and he fucking kills himself when he realizes that this child who... Let me pause and tell you, this child is an absolute terror. I don't know about you, but I was actually like, could someone off this kid, please? <laughs> like, the, I, I do not know the name of the child who plays the Rainmaker. I, I don't know, but the child's name is Sid. Yeah, which is such a stupid name, <laughs> by the way. a dumb name. And his mom is Emily Blunt, by yeah, the way. Yeah, and Emily Blunt with like a weird uh, Kansas accent. Yeah, she's that's super good in this. Really good. She's like, a fucking badass. She, she's actually, A, she's a badass in this, and B, her accent work is kind of impeccable. Oh, yes, she's very good. What the hell? <laughs> Emily. <laughs> Emily. Emily. Um. So what was I saying? I was saying some, what was I saying? About the kid. I was saying something about Sid the kid. You said that you didn't know what his, the actor's name was. Oh, I don't know what the fuck his name is, but he's a good actor. He's really good. He's really good. I think he's supposed to be like six. I don't know. I don't know. Something about the expressions he was making on his face made me truly terrified of him. Oh, children who are scary are the scariest. It was like a combination of Ryan Johnson's like weird, like slow-mo bullshit. Mm -hmm. And then this kid's insane face Mm -hmm. (laughs) where he just like starts exploding and screaming. It was crazy. And gets like evil eyes. Like you're not my mom. (laughs) No, 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 no. It gave me very like exorcist. Yeah. Which is why I was like, just kill the kid. I'm sorry. (laughs) Said the kid go home, baby. Go home. Um, Cause if he had killed the kid, maybe that's how, Maybe that's how Bruce Willis could have ended up with his wife oh, for longer. Bro. Yeah, but you don't know that. I don't know that, but that's all I'm saying is that like child was a, a, well, a monster. No, because the child would have never grown up to be the Rainmaker because his mom wouldn't have died. Yeah, so Joseph Gordon-Levitt realizes that the reason that the kid grows up to be the Rainmaker is because Emily Blunt gets shot and she gets shot by Bruce Willis. She gets shot killed. Yes. And in the, like right before it's supposed to happen, Joseph Gordon-Levitt goes, oh, so that's how this happens. And so he kills himself, therefore killing Bruce Willis, therefore making it so Emily Blunt lives and the child never becomes the rainmaker. Mm-hmm. And there's also this weird subplot about like him being telekinetic or tele- having telekinesis. I don't know. That's the only part of this that was not entirely fleshed out was there's this so, TK business. Well, yeah. So like people are like <laughs> TKs, which are, which is essentially like you are, you are like sort of telekinetic. Like yeah. it's not, it's not the kind of like telekinesis where you like can really like, like it's not some like Marvel. Marvel bullshit. It's like, like it's Matilda. like Matilda. Yeah, or like Matilda. It's like no, no, no. I can lift a pen. Yeah, like that's that's pretty sick. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I can lift a pen. Maybe I can flip a quarter. Yeah, like Paul Dano at the beginning. He has TK, and so yeah. he's just like spinning quarters around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's like the extent of it. Yeah, like not everyone can do that, but the people who can, it's like it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, it's like okay, fine. You're double jointed. We fucking get it. You know. <laughs> um, but. As far as like the kid goes, the kid is like exceptionally talented because the kid can murder people with his gifts. Yeah. The kid can like can like take the insides of a person and like explode them, make them outside. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then it's, make it's them. pretty fucking nuts. So it's pretty terrible. But like beyond what this kid can do, I think that the the, the sort of like what the redemption arc of Joseph Gordon Levitt's mm-hmm. like character was, he gave no shits about nobody. Yeah, and then he gave a shit about somebody. He gave a shit about Sid the kid. 
That's true. And he gave a shit about Emily Blunt because they, they fuck. <laughs> in the bed in the bed and then she does her little tk business and she like, like impresses him for her like cigarette yeah yeah <laughs> she's like spinning her lighter around for her cigarette mom yeah which is insane because you know you can tell she's just a lonely woman who had to kind of grow up a little bit too fast yeah. having this kid and then leaving him behind and then having to take mm-hmm. care of him again it's like it's just there are a lot of really interesting and like vulnerable characters in this movie that I really appreciate. Yeah. And it was just written so well. And every line that everyone said felt so true to them Agreed. and something that they 100% would say. And I don't even know these people. <laughs> well, it's also really hard to get a concept of like reality and humanity in a world that you're like, that truly doesn't exist at the moment. Exactly. And, like, under circumstances that are so foreign and also so fucking complicated. And yet you're still just like, I care about the people in this. I care about the humanity. Yeah. Which, like, that's just a mark of good storytelling. Well, in the end, you don't really give a shit like who's a looper and who's not and what's time travel and what isn't. In no. the end, you care about the fact that Joseph Gordon-Levitt sacrificed himself yeah. to save this kid's innocence, exactly. essentially. Which in a way is a really beautiful arc because it means that Bruce Willis never has to kill that kid. Correct. Children are the future. Children are the future, ladies. Also Jeff Daniels in this movie. Yes, randomly. (laughs) He plays like a weird kind of villain. (laughs) It's kind of insane. It's just, it's one of those, it's one of those movies where you just have to watch it to to find out exactly how magical it is. Yeah. Um, And Looper for me is a sci-fi movie that I can really get behind. Same. I don't like movies like this, but like it was fucking interesting. Yeah. Um I <laughs> I always thought this movie was similar to this one movie that I saw a really long time ago that I thought was fucking terrible what? that starred Justin Timberlake and I think Amanda Seyfried and it was, oh, was like summoning hours. It, it was like, like times out or like times up or like the hours of whatever and it was like it was like the currency was time. Yeah. And I remember seeing those billboards. And that was a terrible movie. (laughs) See, when I thought of the movie Looper, I I didn't realize what movie it was. And I was thinking of that movie Jumper. Is that a movie, right? (laughs) (laughs) Is that a similar thing, kind of? No? Okay. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. (laughs) You know what? We don't know anything. (laughs) Well, that brings us to the pièce de résistance, Monica. And that is... uh, Nevzad. Nevzad. Came out in 2019. Written and directed by, you guessed it, Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. <laughs> Ryan Johnson. The circumstances surrounding the death of crime novelist Harlan Thromby, played by Christopher Plummer, are mysterious. But there's one thing that renowned detective Benoit Blanc, played by Daniel Craig, knows for sure. Everyone in the wildly dysfunctional Thromby family is a suspect. Now, with the help of Harlan's caretaker, Marta, played by Anna de Armas, Blanc must sift through a web of lies and red herrings to uncover the truth. Okay, this is my favorite movie. <laughs> okay, Monica, let's just, come on. Really, this is only just so that I can so sing its only praises. Monica's going to talk for the rest, <laughs> for the next uh, two Hello, hours. about America! This <laughs> Knives Out is an excellent film. Uh... <laughs> Every time I watch it, I just get, I, I, I'm shocked. Like, I'm sh- every time I watch it, I'm shocked that it was Chris Evans the whole time. Uh, that was not surprising to me. I was like, what? The files were switched. See, the whole, when I was watching this movie, I was like, it has to be Chris Evans. I just don't know how. Yeah. Which the how is the interesting part. The how is the interesting part. And it is confusing. 
it's not confusing though it is when you try and remember it yourself and explain it okay let me explain it, it is you. okay so basically chris evans was angry because his grandpa did not leave him in the will <laughs> he cut everyone out of the will. yes but specifically he was angry about him because he's a selfish sure. bastard because he's an asshole because yeah. he makes the the help call him hugh hugh you know hugh did this hugh did this <laughs> Oh, which she's so good in the, <laughs> i don't know who that actress is i know who I, plays fran i keep forgetting fran's she's name very funny uh, but she's also incredible in the righteous gemstones which is one of my favorite hbo okay, shows watch danny mcbride did an excellent job with the okay. righteous fucking gemstones i gotta watch that shit. i wish it would come back i don't know is it a limited series I have, no it wasn't oh. it, it was fully supposed to be like a full-on series but then the pandemic happened it'll come back and the Fire Nation attacked. Okay, I'll come back. I don't know. Okay. But the point is, she was excellent in that. Edie Patterson. Edie Patterson. That's her name. Sick. Edie fucking Patterson. She's phenomenal in this movie. Um, she plays a like a very minor character. Yeah, truly but so minor. Her role is actually really important. Important in the overall story. Yeah. Which is the fact that she sort of catches on to the fact that Chris Evans, aka Ransom is doing this bullshit of yeah. like trying to, she doesn't know what he's up to, but she knows that he's like up to something really mm-hmm. terrible and like probably had a hand in murdering um, Mr. Thromby. So her whole thing is like in the back of her mind, she's seen enough movies to like know that like, yeah, <laughs> to know that like he's a piece of shit and yeah. like she should probably do something about it. Mm-hmm. So she has a cousin in the medical examiner's office who she like calls up and is like, Oh, give me that toxicology report for, um, Thromby's death. And the cousin is probably just like chill with it and then gives her mm-hmm. the toxicology report. She realizes that it probably means something because she doesn't even know that it, no, she doesn't know what it means. She doesn't know what it means. Cause she can't read it, but she knows that it means something that ransom did something to his grandfather. Yeah. And so she uses it to blackmail ransom mm-hmm. into, they keep saying in the movie, some, it has to do with like money. I think she just wanted him fucking gone. <laughs> <laughs> like I think he, I think he's an asshole, um, and that's why she wanted him gone. Well, I think she was thinking that he would pay her off, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, but she, but she stashed the copy. So it was kind of one of those things where it was like, I'm sure, knowing Fran, <laughs> my close personal friend Fran, <laughs> Edie, that uh, she would definitely have taken the money and then been like, well, yeah, I'm gonna give this toxicology report to the police anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which the fact that she has like a stash of weed in a clock is kind of insane. With and it's like a cheeky clock. It's with like, like an angel sitting on with it. With like a cherub or whatever with it's, it's called. With its like finger on its chin. Like, and it's hmm. like, ooh. Um, <laughs> but anyway, sorry. Enough about Fran. This, this entire movie is just a beautiful, like, it is a beautiful modern day murder mystery. Yeah. I think it works so well. I think Anna Darmos is the perfect like lead for this fucking movie she's incredible she she has the most in, insane instincts as an actor mm-hmm. and every single time like every single time i watch the scene where she is on the steps and she just witnessed thromby's murder of himself yes <laughs> his suicide his suicide um and she's like in fucking shock and she's crying and then she's sort of like recomposes herself yeah and like carries out this fucking insane plan that she has to memorize yeah and the change in her face is a true delight to watch yeah 
because she realizes that like she has to do this otherwise shit hits the fan precisely yeah so for me i just think that this is like like talking about the movie at sort of like a macroscopic level the beats of the movie are fucking perfect yes oh no totally like it's Ooh. it's very theatrical yes um which you get immediately because like first of all the score of this movie is amazing yes. um and the house i love the house like i said before that ryan johnson's a really good world builder and it's really interesting because the whole world is this house and when you leave the house that's like when shit gets real mm-hmm. like when there are real life and death stakes and that's when like anna de Armas's life is at risk because she's with ransom etc cetera, etc cetera. and i think that's really really brilliant because the detectives say they have that line about the house where they're like it's like it's like we're in a clue board it's like yeah. living in a clue board yeah, yeah, you're yeah. like it is like a clue board because ryan johnson sets this whole thing up like it's a game yes. which is what harlan thromby wants to do because yes. he's like I, he loves a game yes and jamie lee curtis says she's like if you ever wanted to communicate with dad you had to play one of his games yes and so like even though it's about murder there's like this playful kind of like who done it yes do it which it is so ballsy to in like the first act of the movie show you how the murder happened yeah it is so fucking ballsy like it makes me so excited yeah well they show you how the murder happened but even then you still don't know like the details exactly because he sort of like keeps those cards really close to his chest as a filmmaker and right the way that ryan johnson sort of like structures this film is like is both like a play and Mm -hmm. also like a sonnet Because he sort of like starts off in the beginning and he throws it all, he throws it all at you in the, in the, like in the front end. And then sort of as it trickles on and on, it's like a really slow burn of like bullshit, of like headassery. Everything just starts getting more and more and more and more dramatic. And the stakes start start rising and rising and rising. And Mm -hmm. you think in the beginning, the stakes cannot be risen any higher than this. The man is dead. The man killed himself we know this we know this so we know that marta is guilty because she was the one who gave him the wrong fucking in the beginning obviously yeah she was the one who gave him the wrong fucking file and we are rooting for her as a protagonist because we don't want her mom to get deported correct that's that and that's sort of like the emotional crux of that moment Mm -hmm. but then as you as things start to slowly like unravel you start realizing that there's so much more to the story than just the sheer fact that marta is guilty other people are guilty yeah other people have shit on them Mm -hmm. and other people masturbate to dead deer that's what it is it's like everyone in this family has these like insane quirks and these insane like dark pasts and these secrets and these identities that like they don't want each other to, to, to find out about yeah and as they slowly start to like like you know like literally dig the knife in yeah they start bleeding and like spilling everything out and like the fucking um jamie lear curtis's husband is like cheating on her fucking and don johnson <laughs> i know i love this man he's so good and and uh you know chris evans is like if he doesn't do something like he's gonna essentially flounder because yeah. he cannot live for like he can't do anything for himself and um meg first of all fuck meg <laughs> literally fuck meg well, the, thing, the only thing that i didn't understand was when harlan was like you and meg aren't getting another dime from me and i was like well meg didn't do this like her mom did her mom's been the one double dipping well so i, I don't know like i don't know about that i don't know about that 
<laughs> I think Meg can. I think Meg can fend for herself. It's, the whole point was like everyone should be able to fend for themselves. Sure, yeah. Because Meg is technically an adult. Yes, she seems like a child because she acts like a fucking child. Yeah, but the woman is an adult. She Correct. smokes a vape, Jessica. She's an adult. I, listen, there are children all over the world smoking vapes, and I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it at all. <laughs> basically like ryan johnson primes you for all of like this bullshit and he really primes you for knowing that like there's going to be a lot of bias when people are like giving their accounts of everything that happened pretty much and it's fucking hilarious how he does it like i think of when they're all recounting the birthday party and everyone he asks when they do the flashback they all think that they were the one like setting the cake down in front yes. of Christopher Plummer and like singing with him. And that is just good filmmaking. It's just good filmmaking. It's just good filmmaking because it just tells you every single one of them thinks that they are the center of the story. Correct. Every single one of them is fucking selfish. None of them think about each other because they were the only thing that connected any of them is dead. Yeah. The only thing that held any of them together is dead. Yeah. And the only thing that mattered to any of them which was their financial line uh-huh. to this person is dead. Is dead. So it's just one of those things where they're only together at, in this moment because they need to hear the fucking will being read. Yeah. And so the second that the will is read and it all goes to fucking Marta, they immediately are like animals. Yeah. Fucking animals. They're like vultures. Vultures. <laughs> what does he say? He's like, you guys are all vultures at the feast. Uh, beaks, bloody knives. Oh, out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bloody. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty fucking funny. It's so good, and that like Ryan Johnson's writing and this this story in general just like really brought out the best in these actors because like there is there is like heart to this story, but also like it's a lot of fucking camp, and I loved yes. seeing all of these actors be so so campy like michael shannon is hilarious michael shannon is brilliant he's so fucking michael funny. shannon plus his cane <laughs> plus his, i want to know like did he actually have a broken leg is that why he had a cane I have or no was idea. it just like a random part of the movie that they didn't tell you why he had a broken I think, leg because he's I, wearing like a boot I, 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 I have no idea no idea but he literally he, it's him and his cane are one character. Yeah, just hobbling around and he'll like poke people with he'll his poke cane. People with it. He'll like, he'll like use it for emphasis. <laughs> yeah. In like the hallway with Marta when she's like trying to sneak out the back and mm-hmm. he's like, hey, Marta. <laughs> Where he gets real creepy. Where he gets really mm-hmm. creepy. But he's fucking hilarious. And like that scene where he's accusing the boy whose name I keep forgetting, I but he's like the either. fucking neo-Nazi who like yeah, masturbates yeah. It's his son. dead deer. It's his son. No, it's not his son. Yes, it is his it son. It is? Yeah. It's his son. That is hilarious <laughs> because no one acts like anyone is their son. <laughs> no, not even Jamie Lee Curtis. Because he has the really uppity wife who wears the pearls. Oh my God, who is so... She's hilarious. She has like funny. two lines and she's so funny. She's like, she's like, no, 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 no. We're losing our way of life. 
we're losing our culture <laughs> when they're talking about immigration which is terrible by and the you way. think don johnson is like cool and then you realize he's not cool he's not cool he's like they did it the wrong way he's like, now, now marta's family they came here the right way and anna Tarbus is just standing there like and he's like handing her the plate because he's an <laughs> asshole because yeah, he's a fucking asshole um, i also love tony collette in this movie tony collette she, is perfect in this movie you know fl- that's flam that's flam <laughs> my skincare company <laughs> and i love that she's like a 50 year old influencer because <laughs> she's like the gwyneth paltrow type uh, like yeah. like kind of like building an em- I feel like empire. she was supposed to be Gwyneth Paltrow like oh my hands God. down it is just actually brilliant and I think the thing that I love the most about this movie is the fact that they all sort of like rally around this common enemy mm-hmm. but Ransom is still a piece of shit yeah oh he's a piece of shit but he's like, not a piece of shit that, that they'll ever like realistically rally around because he's family because he's family and I think that this movie has a lot to say about family when it's convenient. Yeah. Like, it's only family when it's convenient. It's yes. Olive Garden. When you're here, you're family. When you're out of here, you're not family. No, exactly. And like, I think that comes up like when they're talking about the house and I forget who it is, but they're like, this house is an ancestral part of this it's, family. It, it's Chris Evans who says sort of like at the end when he's when he's talking to Anna yeah. Armas, when he's talking to Marta and he's like, fuck you. Like you think that you've beat me, but I'm going to fucking come for you. I'm only going to get like fucking five years or whatever the fuck he says and he's like i have good lawyers and our family you're trying to come up in here and take our fucking money yeah and our house our ancestral birthright yeah <laughs> and, and daniel like, craig is like oh he's like this house was purchased in 1984 he's like he was like this was purchased by, purchased by holland in the 80s <laughs> Like it's all, it's all just a fucking sham. It's all a facade. And they all believe in this notion of like, we're all like, we're the thrombies. Yeah. And it is so apparent that like throughout the house, throughout themselves, like there are T's all over the house, like the family emblem. There's like, they all, they're, they're all proud to have the last name, like thromby, thromby, thromby. And it's all fake. It's yeah. all built around this like fictional fantasy that Harlan has created from his books mm-hmm. and it's bled into his entire life. It's bled into his family. And so they all think that they have ownership over this guy's fantasy life. Yeah. And they don't. And as, as that slowly starts to unravel, they start to unravel mm-hmm. because and Harlan drops all these hints throughout the entire movie in flashbacks and also like in the present in the yeah. beginning when he's like. They're not your books. They're my books. Yeah. You fucking dickwads. Yeah. Like, they're my books. Mm-hmm. And what's fabulous about the filmmaking is it keeps sort of like reiterating back to that painting of the Christopher Plummer painting. Yes. The fucking painting of Harlan Thromby because he is still there. It's still his house. Yeah. It's still his books. It's still his success, his fame. It's his murder. Yeah, the murder investigation should be about him. Exactly. And so no matter what they do, no Mm -hmm. matter how far they think they can go from him, it's still 
attached to him. They still took out a loan from him to start their business. They're still the heads of their of his publishing company. Yeah. They're still living under his roof, under his shadow, with his money. It's all back to him. Yeah. And so what do you get when a family no longer has any ties to the only thing that was keeping them together? nothing a bunch you of get, fake bitches you get that fucking beautiful ending scene when they all are just standing mm-hmm. there with their dicks out not knowing what to do <laughs> and anna de Armas is up there in her castle just like sipping with that mug that mug that beautiful mug <laughs> it's just it's glorious filmmaking yeah it's like it's filmmaking really good. at its finest and it's honestly like i cannot say enough about that screenplay it is insane <laughs> it's fucking hilarious and it has a lot of topical shit that i i hope age as well because i mean i don't know if it will i think some of the references will but others well, won't i remember we because we were watching this one together yeah. and you were like um what's his face said like the hamilton line oh yeah he was like immigrants we get the job done and there's like silence for like a minute yeah. and then they're like uh, hamilton hamilton i saw it at the public yeah. <laughs> just sitting there like and you were like, well, that age well? And I was like, nah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And then there's a lot of stuff about like Trump and, you yeah, know. There's a, they, they never say his they name. They never explicitly say who it is, but you always know who they're alluding you know to they're because there's about. a, there are lots of uh, subliminal like divides in this movie. Mm-hmm. Every Because everyone is sort of like every man for himself yeah. kind of. And so they create more and more of these divides to, to like wage more wars on each other. Yeah. Until it's like, when when you're here, you're family. You know what I mean? <laughs> Until they all have gotten on their asses. Yeah. But before then, it's like, it's always divided. It's always like, um, um, I know Jamie Lee Curtis is, was like talking about this at the party where um, Meg is leaving mm-hmm. uh, to, to like go meet some friends. She's leaving the party early, Harlan's birthday party early. And Jamie Lee Curtis is like, well, you know, dad pays for her like neo-feminist yeah. marxist bullshit like degree, degree. Yeah. she could have at least stayed for the cake it's like none of them give a shit about each no. other and there are all these like insane like underlying like undercurrent divides mm-hmm. and it's beautiful and i think that that obviously that was incredibly intentional but yeah. like it's amplified throughout the entire film and some some of them are really fucking funny yes and some of them are not some of them are very very serious but like the funny ones are Chef's so kiss. so good oh they're so good because it's like it's just so good because it's like family drama but like turned up like to three thousand. yeah well it's family drama like it kind of in a way like what family drama is right now like with the political climate like right this is what fucking talking to your family is like yeah. <laughs> she's from uruguay she's the from only Paraguay. thing that could escalate it is a murder yeah your brazilian nurse yeah <laughs> oh god it's just i could i could sit here and talk about this movie forever but i don't have the time it is 9 30 <laughs> well i guess that was ryan johnson do yeah, you have anything else you want to say about him um he's five five and we respect him and full of stories and power exactly fight on yeah i fucking love this guy now i want to watch all of his movies i'll go watch brick now fight the fuck on fight ryan trojans <laughs> So Jessica, what have you dabbled in? Well, I guess we've dabbled in something together. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I wrote this down. I'm just going to tell this story and call it a day. Yeah, you could so, call it a day. Uh, 
It's no secret that our next daddy is Daniel Kaluuya, who is brilliant, by the way, and very hot right now. Yeah, very, very hot. Uh, we don't usually do daddies as young as him, but he's very- He deserves it. He's having a moment right now, oh, so we decided to capitalize. He it, my young. Capitalizes if we're making any money on <laughs> yeah. Um And so- we, <laughs> there are three movies that we're doing. What are the movies? Get Out, um, Queen and Slim, and Judas and the Black Messiah. Okay, okay, okay. The first two, whatever. Yeah, we own Get Out. You can find Queen and Slim on HBO. On HBO. It's fine. You know what you can't find right now? I'll wait. <laughs> but you I'll, could as of four days ago. I'll wait for you guys to like answer this. You guessed it. It's Judas and the fucking Black Messiah, okay? It's Judas and the fucking Black Messiah. You can't find that shit anywhere. Do we look like the kind of people that would walk into a fucking movie theater right now? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because that's the only way you can see it. It was on HBO until March 14th. And then then it went away. On that fateful day, they took it off. (laughs) Which was like the day after we had decided. Yes, it was. Literally the day after we decided. I think on like the 16th, I tried to watch it and I texted you and I was like, um. And we were like, okay, this is bullshit. (laughs) And so I went on a quest. A most noble quest on a journey that is so la it hurts yeah on like we if if we lived anywhere else we would not be able to do this we would be changing the episode so (laughs) jesus fuck okay this is terrible to admit i know i know a lot of people in sag yeah we do which is such a, like such a dick thing to say but it's true it's It's not it's just it's it's a symptom of where we live and where we work it's a symptom of the virus you know what i mean and so i've asked around yeah i've asked around and no one had this fucking screener (laughs) no one no one had this goddamn screener we were waiting for aaron to get it aaron never got the fucking screener i'm asking everyone left right up down all around i'm sending emails i'm sending text messages i'm dming people i haven't talked to in like two years (laughs) and i can't find it no one has it no, for whatever it's reason. It's like the only screener that we didn't get. Yes. I have all of the other ones, and except for that. For whatever reason, some people didn't get it. Yeah. And and this thus, quote unquote, some people happen to be the people that I know. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and so I do the thing that I always hate doing, which is asking the people at work <laughs> if they know anyone who has the fucking screener. Yeah. And they don't. And so after a while, I'm like looking and looking and looking. And we're talking like we're spending days. Do I, mm-hmm. I think I'm trying to really contextualize this for you guys. I'm spending days, <laughs> hours of my life looking for this fucking. Yeah, screener. we had to move the recording day. Yes, it's Monday. We record on Saturdays. We're also guys. not even recording that episode today. We're I know. recording it next weekend. It's just bizarre. <laughs> anyway, so I'm looking fucking everywhere, everywhere for this goddamn screener. And finally... I get a slack back. <laughs> slack back. I get a slack back from our de- our development manager at work telling me that she has a screener <laughs> for Judas and the Black Messiah. And I go, oh, thanks. And then it doesn't work out for whatever reason. Yeah. Something happens. And so I, I don't get it. And so I'm this close to tasting the gold. And I don't get it. Yeah. I can't put the gold in my mouth, you know? Yeah. And so I move on, right? 
I move on and I get Aaron to give me like the the online screener thing for the thing. I don't know how the for your consideration the for your consideration thing. It's an app and you go on the app yeah, and so you I'm watch, watch the fucking now. movie and whatever. <laughs> I case I've already seen this movie. I'm doing all this work for Jessica. <laughs> But did you watch it and take notes on it? No, but you know what I mean. I understand. You know what I mean. And so I'm doing all this fucking work. And so this for your consideration thing happens. And for whatever reason, I'm still out there, you know, hitting the pavement, <laughs> trying to find this goddamn screen. I don't know why. We already had a digital access. It was the principle of the thing. All right. <laughs> and so I finally, 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 through a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend mm-hmm. of a coworker, yeah, get it. Mm-hmm. And it was waiting for me at the theater. That's so exciting. And I pick it up and I take it. I take it with me. And it's here now. And it's fucking useless. <laughs> it's not useless. You can watch it. Yeah, but I can also watch it on the For Your Consideration app now. That's true. You can. <laughs> so all this to say, I really did the most you trying did. to find this fucking. Screen. It better be a good episode. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even fucking know. All oh, I know is that ass. that is my commitment. Yeah. <laughs> That's my commitment level to making sure that we're watching the movies we need to watch. <laughs> Yet, whenever there's a movie that we have to buy, I go, ah, I don't want to do that. Right. We had like, <laughs> we had like the slightest snag in like watching. The slightest uh, inconvenience. Like, what was the one for Aaron Sorkin? It a was, few good men. And we yeah. were like, we're not nah. doing it. <laughs> And that's really the punchline of the story. I think it's because for this one, like we should have been able to find it. Yeah, it was more, again, it was the principle of the thing. I don't understand why I didn't have access to a screener. (laughs) This is Hollywood. This is Hollywood. Where are my screeners? Do you know how much rent I pay? Where are my screeners? <laughs> Honestly, if you haven't Los Angeles address, you should get screeners. You it should shouldn't. Screeners. It shouldn't be about SAG. It shouldn't be about SAG. <laughs> Fuck SAG. I just want screeners, or baby. DGA or WGA. I don't give a shit about. I don't that. give a shit about you. Is there an animation union? Because I do give a shit about. I'm them. sure there are many unions. I don't think that there is there. But I don't know if they vote in the Academy Awards. Mm, they probably don't. No. No. R.I.P. Yeah. Anyway. I give a shit about you. <laughs> Thank you. I give a shit about you too. Uh, so anyway, that was my like very LA, really torturous uh, experience. <laughs> and honestly, it's like it's not like I was in a position to find the screener. Like I was very busy. Yeah, you were. I was very you always busy. are. But I think that like I just when you say your mind, there ain't nothing but to do it. You know what I mean? Well, there's not doing it. But there ain't nothing but to do it. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I okay, know. There I know. <laughs> What's your dabble? I don't have one. That it was. It was it basically was a collective dabble. It was basically patiently waiting for me to find the screener. Uh, yeah, lots of. Did you ask Aaron if he uh, found the the screener yet, Mike? And me going <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did do that. Uh, but I'm also doing X Y Z because I don't trust. <laughs> I don't trust whether or not we have the screener. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, anyway, he's a 32-year-old god. Yeah, so. we love him. Uh, so you'll hear that next week. You'll hear that next week. Yeah. Uh, do we have a question today? We do. This is from friend of the pod, Allison, Aww. in Seattle, Washington. Oh, She said, what is your ideal double feature for a lazy, rainy Sunday afternoon? Could be any genre, length, era, etc. But they must have vibes that complement each other. What would you pair together and why? Oceans 11, Oceans 12, and then Oceans 13. 
If you want to close she asked up for the a trilogy. double feature. I don't care what she asked for. I'm giving her the answer. <laughs> I'm giving her the an- the antidote. Okay. Um, I didn't understand the assignment. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I just rewrote the assignment. Oh, teacher. okay. So you re you redid the assignment. Teacher, teacher. I just redid the I assignment. I get it. I get it. I made sure that the assignment fit my needs, not sure. yours. Okay. I understand. Okay. Anyway, go watch. If it's a rainy day and you have literally nothing to do, just yes. watch the Ocean's films. Do not watch watch Ocean's Eight. Terrible film. It's a terrible film. I love the women in it. Oh my yeah, God, Sandy I, B. I, I think the intentions Rihanna? were good, but bad movie. Ooh, Rihanna. Mwah. We love her, but like, <laughs> shit, dog. Do not watch that movie. Um, mine is wild at heart and true romance. Those are my picks. Interesting. Yeah. I love, well, first of all, I love wild at heart. It's one of my favorite Don't movies. We all baby. Uh, also I told Aaron my picks earlier and he didn't know what wild at heart was. And I said, you call yourself a film buff. It's a David Lynch movie starring it's- Nicholas Cage, Willem Dafoe, Laura Dern, did Isabella not- Rossellini. No, we didn't almost watch it. Um, no. No, 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 no. But it's an incredible movie. It's so fucking weird, but it's really, really good. And then True Romance is like it's it's Christian Slater and yeah, 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 uh, yeah, what's yeah. her face Patricia Arquette, mm-hmm. and it's it's so good. I think Tarantino wrote the script, but he didn't like direct it. No. Uh, but it, they're they're like they complement each other because it's like lovers on the run. But there's like a lot of crazy shit that happens. Brad Pitt has a really incredible cameo in True Romance, <laughs> yes. as does Gary Oldman. Yes. Uh, hilarious hilarious moments in that movie also hilarious movies in wild at heart but for like really fucked up reasons yeah 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 so yeah that's that's my choice okay i thought mine were better but oh okay i think yours were lazy (laughs) i think mine's were lazy (laughs) but also who's gonna tell me that they're lazy other than you you know um viewers if you don't think Monica's say the choices internet. were were lazy don't dm us john favreau please <laughs> stop <laughs> i'm gonna disable the website for 24 no. hours <laughs> goodbye everyone i'm the uh, one with the real power here okay okay you want to know who's real it's me <laughs> the real top dog it's me i'm top dog that's true monica is my daddy oh woof Oh, well, Uh, that brings us to the end. Oh, Lordy, it is end of show. End of show. Time to go night night. Go get yourself speculus. Go get yourself tea (laughs) and enjoy the rest of your day. Snuggle down. Go to sleep. Put on your nightcap. Put on your nightgown. (laughs) Grab your candlestick. Like your Ebenezer Scrooge. (laughs) Grab your candlestick. Pull the curtains around your very large four-poster bed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And go night-night. And wait for the ghosts of Christmas past to show up. And as per usual, don't don't sue us, Daddy Daddy Favreau. Favreau. Goodbye, Monica. Good night.